Amen. Well, welcome to our Resurrection Sunday service. So good to see you here this morning. Uh, it's so great to be, uh, great to witness to these baptisms, isn't it? It's fantastic. And I have a question for you this morning. What if, what if the resurrection of Jesus never happened? What if it was all just a made-up fairy tale? What if an archaeologist found the bones of Jesus and they could prove that it was the bones of Jesus in a grave in Jerusalem? What would that do to your faith? What would that do to the Christian faith? Well, someone I once knew said, well, you know, even if Christianity wasn't true, you know, I'm still glad I believed it because, you know, it's made my life better. It's made my life and my, my life much better than what it would have been without believing in Christianity. Well, this is not what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. If you have a Bible, please open it up this morning to 1 Corinthians 15. And we're going to be looking at verses 12 to verses 19 this morning. You see, Paul takes on this hypothetical what if. What if the resurrection never happened? And he said, if the resurrection never happened, then Christians have no foundation, they have no forgiveness, and they have no future. Firstly, Paul says, if Christ wasn't raised, there is no foundation to the Christian message. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 12. He says, now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, that's one of the central proclamations of the Christian church, that the tomb is empty, that Jesus is alive. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, Paul says, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. The word vain means futile, meaningless. If there is no resurrection, then all the Christian preachers and preaching that has happened is just meaningless and futile. And the Christian faith is meaningless and futile. In fact, Paul says in verse 15, he says, we are found to be misrepresenting God. He's talking of the apostles. Because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. You see, the proclamation of the apostles was that the tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. And if there is no resurrection of Jesus, then there is no foundation for the Christian faith. You see, Christianity is different from many of the other world religions. Many of the other world religions are built upon someone's private, subjective experience with God. Uh, take, for example, Mormonism. Mormonism is built off its founder, Joseph Smith. And Joseph Smith, he claimed one day that the angel Moroni appeared to him and he guided him to these gold tablets and he had these special magical glasses which, he, which with he could read those gold tablets and therefore translate the Book of Mormon. Now, this doesn't make it untrue or it doesn't make it true or untrue. It's just his private subjective experience. And you see, here's the thing about private subjective experience is it can't be verified. For example, if I was to say to you, last night an angel appeared to me and he said to me, Timon, I want you to write down my message. And I wrote it down. There is no way that you could verify whether that was true or untrue. It was my private experience. But Christianity is different from that. It's not built upon someone's private experience with God. Christianity is built upon a historical event. Jesus came, he died, he rose. 
Christianity is different. And so if there is no resurrection, then there is no foundation for Christianity. But Paul also says if there is no resurrection, not only is there no foundation, there is also no forgiveness. In verse 16, Paul says, For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. You see, the biggest problem that Christianity says that we all have is that we are sinners. And before God, the perfect judge, we have fallen short of his perfect standard. And we deserve judgment. You know, if you commit a crime and you come before a judge, then the judge will hand out some sort of sentence. He might get you to do community service, or he might get you to pay a fine, he might even send you to jail. Well, you know, we have all fallen short of God's standard. We've all violated God's law, and we're deserving of judgment, and the wages of sin, the Bible says, is death, separation from God. Now, you might say, yes, but I thought that on the cross, you know, Jesus, didn't on the cross Jesus pay for our sin? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Paul would say earlier in 1 Corinthians 15, he would say, this is the gospel. Christ died for our sins. On the cross, Jesus took our penalty. He took our punishment. He took death upon himself. But here's the thing. How do we know that that death was sufficient for us? Now, if I was to um, pay a bill... How would you know that that bill had been paid? How would you know? If I got a receipt, if I got a receipt and showed you the receipt, that would prove that that bill had been paid in full. You see, the resurrection of Jesus is the receipt that proves that God the Father had accepted Jesus' payment for our sin, which was death. So without the resurrection, we can't be sure that our sins are forgiven. So without the resurrection, there is no foundation, there is no, no forgiveness, but finally, there is no future. See, Paul goes on to say, he says, and if if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins, then those who have fallen asleep in Christ, those Christians who have died, have perished. You know, all cultures around the world believe that in some sense there is life after death. And maybe that's what you believe as you're sitting here this morning, that you believe, yeah, there, there is a sense, uh, you know, that when someone dies, after they die, they continue on living. That's a very common human belief. That's something that, we, that humans commonly believe, that there is life after death. Uh, just this last year, I don't know if you saw this movie, Soul by Disney Pixar. If you, did you see that movie, Soul by Disney Pixar? It's all right to put up your hand and admit it, if you did. Um, this movie, Soul by Disney Pixar, is about this um, piano, jazz piano player. And he ends up dying. And he ends up going on this conveyor belt. His soul is on this conveyor belt up to the white light to what Disney Pixar described as the great beyond. Now, did you know something? That that's not the message of Christianity. Did you realize that? Many Christians don't realize this. That's not the message of Christianity. The message of Christianity is not just when you die, your soul goes to heaven or hell. Did, did you realize that? Now, you're not, you're not convincing me here today. Did you, did you realize that that's not actually the message, the full message of Christianity? It is true that when Christians die, their souls go to be with the Lord. That's what the Bible says. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. 
But actually the story of Christianity is much larger than just personal salvation and personal redemption. See, the story of Christianity is that Jesus on the cross won a cosmic victory. He defeated sin and death. This whole world has been under a curse. It is broken. It is broken and there is injustice and pain and wickedness. And no matter how much we humans try to fix it, we just can't. I mean, people try communism, but that doesn't fix it. People try education, but that doesn't fix it. People try even religion to fix it, and that doesn't fix it. But there is coming a day when Jesus returns, and he will consummate his kingdom. And the souls of those who have died in him will be resurrected, and their souls will join their bodies, and they will enter into the new heavens and the new earth. Look down in your Bibles, this is what Paul says in verse 21, he says, For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection from the dead. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all shall be made alive, but each according to his own order. Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. So when Christ returns to take his church to be with him, then we will be resurrected. And we will be changed in the inkling of an eye. But then when he comes again, verse 24, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and every power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Verse 28, when all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things into subjection under him, that God might be all in all. You see, the great news of Christianity is not only do you get to live on after death, but that death itself is defeated. That all the wickedness and sin and injustice and pain in this world is taken out of this world and God renews and makes a new heavens and a new earth. And we enter into that in resurrected bodies. This is the great hope of Christianity. In fact, Paul says in verse 19, If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. You see, Christians live their lives in a very interesting way. They have an eternal mindset. They forgo things now because of what is awaiting them in the future. In fact, later on in the chapter, Paul talks about fighting wild beasts at Ephesus. I wonder what Paul fought. (laughs) Who knows? Like, maybe he was in the Colosseum and he's fighting lions and tigers because he's a Christian. You know, here's a guy who could say, I bear in my body the marks of the cross because he had suffered persecution for the sake of the gospel. But Paul says, I die daily. And he says in verse 32, what do I gain if humanly speaking I fought with beasts at Ephesus? If the dead are not raised, then let's eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. You know, if there is no resurrection, then we have no future. Then we might as well just live for ourselves. So if there is no resurrection, there is no foundation, there is no forgiveness, there is no future. Look at these awesome words in verse 20. Paul says, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. If there is no resurrection, there is no foundation, there is no forgiveness, there is no future, but Paul says, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. 
You see, it is a fact. The grave is empty. Jesus is alive. Now, you might be skeptical here this, this morning. You might say, Timon, it's a fact that the grave is empty, that Jesus is alive. How can you say that that is true, that Jesus is alive, that that's a fact? How can you prove the resurrection of Jesus? Well, you can't prove the resurrection of Jesus scientifically. You know, the scientific method is like this. You, the scientists make a hypothesis, and then they try to prove that hypothesis with repeatable, observable experiments. So they have a hypothesis, and then they do these experiments to try and prove that hypothesis. But you see, the thing about the resurrection is it fits not into the category of science. It fits into the category of history. And when it comes to historical events, you can't prove historical events scientifically because they're not repeatable. And they're not observable unless you have a time machine. Does anyone here have a time machine? Anyone have a DeLorean out the back where they can go, you know, any Marty McFly's here? No? No? And so you can't actually go back in time. Who here believes in 9-11? Who, who here believes that on September 11th, 2001, that tragic thing happened in New York. Who believes that? Who believes that? Okay. A lot of people. There's, there's some people who are still skeptical here. Some, you know, skeptics here this morning who don't believe in that. Why do you believe that? Why do you believe that? Well, probably many of you didn't see it with your own eyes. But you probably observed it on television. Did you see it on television? Yeah? Yeah? But, you know, there is, like, digital imaging. They can actually, you know, make, you know, fake, fake videos, can't they? How do you know that that's 100% true? Well, what you do is you believe the testimony. You believe the testimony. You believe the testimony of the media. You believe, you know, newspaper articles that were written about it. You believe the testimony of others. Well, the same is true with the resurrection of Jesus. The reason we believe in the resurrection of Jesus is because we believe in the testimony of those first Christians who were there, who saw the tomb empty, those Christians who witnessed Jesus resurrected, and Jesus said, put your hands into my, you know, into my palms and into my side. We believe their testimony. Now, what would make us believe the testimony of the apostles? Well, as you read the four Gospels that are in the Bible, you have everything in those Gospels which actually show that this testimony rings true. You have things that actually point to the truthfulness of this testimony. Um, for example, one of the things that all the four Gospels witness to is that the very first people to come to the tomb that Resurrection Sunday was who? Was women. Was women. Now, I'm not trying to offend you ladies, um, but women in the first century were not considered to be credible witnesses. They were not, their witness, their testimony was not permissible in a court of law. Now, you wouldn't write that if you were trying to make up a gospel. If you were trying to make up a story, you wouldn't add that detail. Further, the disciples, as we read about the disciples in the gospel, we get this interesting perspective on who these disciples are. They're arguing about who is the greatest. They are like, they misunderstand Jesus' message and his mission often. And in fact, Peter, the, the, the founder of the church, Peter, the one who is going to be the leader of the early church, what happens at the crucifixion of Jesus? What does Peter do? He ends up denying even knowing Jesus three times. You know, at the crucifixion of Jesus, all the disciples are scattered. 
And yet these same disciples, only 40 days later, are standing in front of the same crowd that crucified Jesus, and they are boldly declaring that he is alive. And every single one of these disciples died for their belief, bar one, bar John, who was um, sentenced to an exile on the island of Patmos. The other 11, they died for their belief that Jesus was alive. Which is why when people have investigated the story of the resurrection, when skeptics have looked into it, many skeptics have actually become believers. Because the overwhelming weight of evidence points to the reality that it really happened. That on that very first resurrection Sunday, the tomb was empty because Jesus was alive. You see, if the resurrection never happened, we would have no foundation for our faith. There would be no forgiveness and we would have no future. But the fact is, the resurrection did happen. The tomb was empty. Jesus is alive. Do you know what that means? That means we have a foundation. We have a firm and steady foundation for our faith. Now, do you know what I've noticed with most Christians? Most Christians, the foundation of their faith is actually their faith. Uh, when you ask them, why do you believe? It's because they believe. And so the foundation of their faith is their own faith. And so do you know what happens? You know what happens with my faith, and this maybe happens with your faith, is our faith goes up and down like this. And that's because the foundation for their faith is their faith. But the foundation for your faith shouldn't be your faith. It should be the historical reality that the tomb is empty, that Jesus is alive. And this means also, because Jesus is alive, not only do you have a foundation for your faith, you have forgiveness. You have absolute forgiveness of sins and acceptance with God. And once again, many Christians go through life wondering whether God really accepts them or not. Because they're basing their acceptance upon their own subjective feelings. You don't base your standing with God on your subjective feelings, but on the objective reality that the tomb is empty, that Jesus is alive. And because Jesus is alive, not only do you have a foundation for your faith, not only do you have forgiveness, but you have an eternal future. You know, we have a pastor in our church, Vincent Lee. Precious Vincent and precious Evelyn. And they are going through at the moment what has to be one of the hardest things to go through. Evelyn is dying from cancer. Two weeks ago, I was with them and I administered communion with them. And it was sad. It was sad. But I have to tell you, I walked away from that place glad that I was a Christian. Because as a Christian, we have these resources to deal with the hardest moments because our hope, as Paul says, isn't tied to this life. We have eternal life in Christ. And that's what Evelyn said to me with a big smile on her face. She said, I know where I'm going. I'm heading to Jesus. Man, that's powerful. That's powerful. You see, if there is no resurrection, there is no foundation, no forgiveness, we have no future. But because there is a resurrection, we have a firm foundation. We have forgiveness of sins and we have a future, people, because of the resurrection of Jesus. Amen? Amen.
Let's stand together. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you today and we thank you so much for the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. The one whose name is above every name. And we proclaim his name today. We proclaim that there is new life in him. And we thank you for the the testimony of all those people today who have met Jesus and been transformed by Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for the, the historical reality that the tomb is empty and that Jesus is alive. Thank you for that, Lord God. And we worship you and praise you today. And it's in his name we pray. And God's people said... Amen. Amen.